You are now listening to the Conversationalist Podcast. Well, hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Conversationalist Podcast. Uh, I'm Jesse, and I'm here with Amanda. Hi. It's going to be episode 55. Um, there's uh, two events that uh, happened over the past 24 hours that we're going to go over, and then we will finish off this episode with a review of Spider-Man Homecoming, which we saw last night. Um, so, uh, to start off the podcast on kind of uh, some downer news, um, if this fucking pop-up will come off my computer, god damn it. <laughs> um, it has to do with a uh, story from the LA Times, um, basically announcing that Joan Lee, the wife of Stanley, um, passed away at the age of 93, Um, it doesn't say, you know, whether it was due to her age or whether or not she had any sort of terminal illness or anything like that, but, you know, fact of the matter is that she passed away sometime within the past day or so, and, you know, the first thing that, uh, Amanda and I kind of discussed when, um, I read this article and then, you know, asked her if, uh, you know, she'd read about it was just kind of like, you know, obviously, a husband losing his wife is, you know, a not great thing to have happen to you. But, you know, Stan is, you know, old and, you know, frail. And, you know, one of the reasons that we had gone and met with him in uh, the last uh, Kamikaze convention that we had gone to or Stanley's LA Comic Con was because, hey, look, he's not getting any older. Um, you know, as far as like his health is concerned, it just didn't. You know, there's no telling how long he's going to be around just because he is old. His days are numbered. And so, you know, we're just kind of like, okay, well, you know, it'd be awesome to meet Stan Lee. And, you know, so then hearing that this happened, you know, with the passing of his wife, it's kind of one of those things where, like, you know, he's already old. He's, you know, his health isn't the best. And then now his, you know, spouse has passed away. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, hopefully you know, what, you know, what uh, happens to so many people doesn't happen to Stan, where, you know, somebody loses a spouse, and then usually within a year's time or a little less than a year, you know, the other spouse passes away, you know, from, you know, just heartbreak. So, you know, hopefully uh, that uh, isn't in Stan's cards. He's a pretty busy guy. He's always filming, doing conventions and things like that. So, you know, maybe just him keeping busy will kind of, you know, break that uh, that mold yeah. of predictability. And, you know, we'll see Stan in a million more Marvel cameos. <laughs> so, uh, you know, moving on to our next item. Uh, this one comes from uh, Yahoo News. And this one has to do with Jeremy Renner uh, breaking both of his arms in a stunt accident. Um, initially when I read this, I actually thought that it was him breaking both of his arms on the set of the Avengers set. Uh, it turns out that wasn't the case. And the man that actually brought this to my attention was that, um, it was actually on set of a movie called tag that's being filmed in Atlanta where, um, the Avengers movie is being filmed. Um, and so the movie tag, you had the detail on what that movie was about. 
It's about an old group of friends that organize an elaborate game of tag. So, I mean, there's this elaborate game of tag with world travel. You know, obviously there's probably some crazy stunts that are going on in the movie. I mean, obviously he broke both of his fucking arms. Yeah. Which I'm over here thinking, like, holy shit, like, how the fuck did he do that? Like, you know, I'm thinking, like, okay, he fell on one arm and then, like, fell down a hill and then, like, fell on his other arm or some shit. Like, some shit out of The Simpsons where, like, fucking Homer, like, falls down the ravine and, like, breaks every fucking bone in his body and shit. Bart. Was it Bart? I thought it was Homer. Bart already had his broken arm. Uh-huh. And Lisa dumps him down that thing when they have the new, like, <laughs> shopping center. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was Bart. Okay. Yeah, I was just like, this reminds me of, like, some fucking cartoon shit. But I'm over here, like, you know, like, thinking of all these ridiculous ways to how he could have uh, broken both of his arms. But then, like, Amanda just, like, you know, in her blunt, like, monotone fucking Ben Stein voice is like, what if he was just trying to catch himself and he put his arms out in front of him like that could like easily that. happen and i was like holy shit i'm over here thinking of like every possible way that he could have broken his arms and hers was like the most obvious like That's he just cool. stuck his arms out and fucking and just his body weight and momentum just fucking <laughs> broke his shit which you know good on you for uh you know just throwing that guess out there which was, yeah, the most practical. Um, and in, in the story, it basically says that uh, he had a fractured right elbow and left wrist, which, you know, you read the headline, it says he broke both of his fucking arms, but then this is saying that he just fractured his elbow and his wrist, so it's like, okay. They just wanted you to click on it. Right. It's like his wrist is fucked up and he's got a fucked up elbow, Sure, he's got to have like you know, you know, like a some sort of wrist brace on his leg, and he's got to have some sort of uh, you know brace on on his arm, you know, for the fracture and shit like that. But by no means fucking a double arm break. Yeah. So you know, shame on you, fucking Yahoo. Which you know, to go to with Yahoo and and their bullshit fucking headlines is like, you know, you almost expect that from Yahoo. Like whenever you fucking read like a headline. And then, like, you go down into the comments from people that, you know, regularly click on their fucking ads. They're always like, Jesus Christ, like, you know, these people are supposed to be, like, professional writers that are putting some of this shit out. And they always have, like, grammatical errors or their their um, their headlines are completely disingenuous of, like, what's actually written in the fucking article. Yeah. Or, like, there's an article that's written. Like, that, you know, has this headline, but, like, then the meat of the article, like, doesn't even kind of fucking, like, fully explain, like, what the headline had to do with. Like, it's just, like, Yahoo's just, like, a fucking rag. So, I mean, maybe we should be looking for other fucking sources that don't have to do with Yahoo because of bullshit like this. Probably. So, um, but that's uh, pretty much it you know hopefully Jeremy Renner has a speedy recovery so that it doesn't affect any sort of like you know filming with Infinity Wars and hopefully you know it doesn't get pushed back which probably not I'm sure they can find a reason to not have as much screen time for uh, his character Hawkeye since he's one of the characters without actual powers (laughs) he's really good with his arrows though man he sees everything so, um, you know, with the uh, 
close out of that one, we basically go to the Spider-Man Homecoming review. There will be spoilers. Um, that just kind of goes without saying to just explain everything that, you know, the movie had to do with. We're not going to go in, like, an incredible amount of detail like we have in the past. Um, but basically, we're just going to read the synopsis, kind of just, you know, give a brief overview of the whole movie, talk about some of our favorite parts of it, and then just, you know, clip, you know, focus on some finer points before we uh, wrap up the podcast. So, um, on the IMDb page, the synopsis says that several months after the events of Captain America's Civil War, uh, Peter Parker, with the help of his mentor, Tony Stark, tries to balance his life as an ordinary high school student in Queens, New York City, while fighting crime as his superhero alter ego, Spider-Man, as a new threat, the vulture emerges. So, um, you know, based when this movie starts, it starts in kind of like a like a first person view um, from uh, Spider Man or Peter Parker's perspective um, of you know basically going to the city and uh, he's like filming everything that's going on behind the scenes like after this battle, but then you find out. That like he's been like video uh like can, you know making a video diary of like everything that's happened yeah and he was he was actually carrying that fucking whatever it was like a GoPro camera while they were having the battle in the um, Captain America Civil War scene when they're like at the airport <laughs> you know and so like yeah. he's like oh wait they're calling me and so like he jumps in and like steals Captain America's shield um. You know, you like jump, he like throws the camera down real quick and you see it from afar. And then, uh, you know, and then you, you see later on, like he's still, t- he's talking to the camera in the middle of the fucking fight. And, uh, you know, like while he's, uh, I think he might have been fighting with, uh, like Falcon. And then at one point, like he's like, oh, wait, I gotta go. Ant Man's huge or whatever. And, you know, he takes off again because he got big. Yeah. It, it was just really funny, like getting that perspective of it. You know, because then later on, after it's all said and done, like, he's talking to the camera, like, oh, my God, this will happen. Oh, it's so cool and everything. And so he's, like, super hyped up because he thinks that he's going to be an Avenger, only to be disappointed because Tony Stark is like, yeah, you did great, kid, but, you know, you're not an Avenger. You know, here's a gift. Here's this cool new suit, but, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. We'll call you. And then they never really call him. And yeah. so, like, he's just stir crazy He's gotten a taste of the big leagues, and, you know, he wants to impress Tony Stark. He wants to be an Avenger more than anything, but, you know, he's still a kid. They're treating him like a kid, and they're not really involving him in anything. Um, so as all of this is happening, you know, the beginning of the story um, shows Michael Keaton's character, um, Adrian Toomes, who is the Vulture, and uh, after... Um, you know, pretty much what what it's going back to is like the original Avengers when they destroy that whole alien race in New York City. Well, you know, you always wonder like what happens after like everything gets blown to shit, right? Like all the alien bodies and all the tech and stuff. Well, New York City basically contracted with a bunch of, um, you know, private companies to come in and, uh, you know, clean all this shit up, clean all this stuff up. And, and so, this this uh his character tombs had uh a business that 
he extended a lot of his credit, you know, buying extra trucks and doing all of this stuff, expanding his business greatly to accommodate the need that, uh, you know, he'd been contracted to do only for um, a private company to come in that was not really a private company, kind of like a pseudo. Like the FBI. Yeah, it was like a government agency kind of kind of thing. It was like a government agency uh, that was coming in to be like, um, say that, you know, hey, look, we're in charge cleanup now. So what ended up happening was this company comes in and says, hey, look, you know, sucks that, uh, you know, your company is basically going to fail, but that's just the way it is. And it turns out that Toombs has a personal issue with Tony Stark because this, this, uh, this like semi-government agency slash private entity is actually, um, it's, you know, more or less co-founded by Tony Stark. Yeah, he partnered with them. So, you know, Toombs is like, what the fuck, my, my company is going to go under because I have all of this shit that I bought to do this job, and now I don't have the job, but I still have all this stuff. Meanwhile, you know, a guy who helped create this whole mess is now getting paid to fucking clean it up and keep all the tech. So that's where his grudge comes in with Tony Stark. Um, and so, you know, then the whole movie is basically just focusing on, uh, you know, you know, Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker, just balancing you know being a kid and you know being a smart kid and you know trying to find his place like as a hero you know doing a bunch of you know little things you know fucking what what like when he uh um like catches somebody like stealing a bike oh yeah but like you couldn't find the person who had the bike stolen <laughs> so it's just like a little note that says like you know this is your bike you know, you don't yeah. steal it if it's not. Yeah, this is pretty silly. And then uh, when he thought he was catching the uh, the Asian guy, like, breaking into the car. Yeah. He, he thinks this guy's breaking into the car, and it turns out it's his car, but he locked his keys in. Yeah. And so then all these neighbors are basically fucking yelling at him, like, that's his car. <laughs> um, you know, and so, you know, it's just a whole bunch of things like that where he's just... He's doing his best to make some sort of difference, but he doesn't feel like he's making enough of a difference, and all that shit just kind of pales in comparison to, like, what he'd been doing when he was invited by Tony Stark to, you know, help with, you know, the, the Civil War fight. Well, yeah, it's kind of hard to go back to. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's he's kind of struggling with all that stuff. Meanwhile, he likes a girl. You know, obviously there's a love interest there. And, you know, he's trying to figure out how to deal with that. Um, you know, also trying to, you know, keep himself available on the off chance that, like, Tony Stark needs him for something, you know, but it's also neglecting his other responsibilities that he has at high school, you know, as being a, uh, a member of, what was that club that he was in? The academic decathlon. Yeah, you know, so he's a smart kid, he's an academic decathlon, they depend on him, but at the same time, like, he's like, okay, do I neglect these responsibilities, or do, you know, do I do this, you know, so... Um, you know, just that push and pull. And then so basically what ends up happening is the Tombs character, um, they steal some of the, the tech that they'd already had. And what they ended up doing was they ended up develop, developing some weapons with it and essentially made this, like, the the vulture suit. So that's how Tombs becomes a vulture because he's got, like, these wings that, you know, hover 
Um, that almost kind of steals everything. Right, but I mean, uh, the 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 technology almost kind of looks like you know how the Green Goblin's like surf surfboard is, and like some of the other um, some of the other movies where it's like that coverability stuff. So the wings are made from this alien technology, and the vulture uses that those wings to like steal additional material, and um, so they basically made a business out of you know, an illegal business, um, but a business nonetheless of, like, stealing this alien technology um, and then, like, converting it into weapons and then trying to sell it on the street. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so some of the tech that they developed were, like, fucking laser guns and, like, these, like, pulse cannon things and, like, you know, like, kinetic energy dispensers where, like, they can punch somebody, like, super fucking hard. Mm. Um, and then, like, other things were... Um, they can like throw things on a wall. They kind of like it creates like a little portal where you can like walk through walls and shit. Yeah. Which is how they steal stuff. So like when you know a company when when that like that uh, government agency comes and cleans shit up, it gets you get put in like a big old sea train. Well, the fucking vulture can just go in there and steal it because he throws a little throws a thing on there, makes a little portal, goes in, steals a bunch of shit, and flies off. So, um. Essentially, uh, Spider-Man, seeing an opportunity to foil a bank robbery, realizes that these fucking bank robbers have, like, some high-tech shit, um, you know, kind of inadvertently falls into this thing where, like, holy shit, where are they getting this from? And then he kind of starts his own little detective work trying to figure out, you know, where these weapons are coming from and is trying to basically let Tony know that there's something deeper going on here. He thinks he's being neglected and ignored. Um, you know, so he takes it upon himself to kind of stop this from happening. And so then he has a couple of run-ins with, uh, the vulture and ends up, um, having a run-in with uh, a guy who ends up being the shocker. Um, but that original shocker had some words with vulture huh? and, uh, yeah. So the vulture ends up fucking handling die. him. Yeah. So, uh, not terribly big spoilers because then somebody else becomes a shocker and uh the guy that ends up playing uh shocker 2 who ends up being like the shocker that you'll probably end up seeing in some of the other movies is uh bokeem woodbine so you know in this movie it's also introducing another you know prominent bad guy that you're used to seeing in other spider-man comics so there is that um and uh you do see a good amount of uh you know iron man uh, Tony Stark in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, I mean, that's the whole premise of the movie is that, uh, I mean, there's like a huge plot twist toward the end is that, you know, this love interest that he had that's on the academic decathlon team with him, um, you know, this Tombs guy is her fucking dad. Wow. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, how shocking was that? Like, I, I didn't see that coming. Um, but, uh, you know, ends up being, ends up being dad um you know they have a little bit of a battle obviously it's a spider-man movie and he ends up fucking winning um but uh you know he doesn't he doesn't die basically he's locked up and he has the opportunity to tell other bad guys you know who spider-man is because he he does find out but he basically holds that information close to his heart and so the question is is like is he not saying who spider-man is because 
he wants to protect him to a certain extent or is he you know because of his daughter like you know being interested in him uh being interested in him or is he just holding it to himself so that nobody else can get to him until he can get out mm. i mean on some level you're thinking that maybe the daughter's not you know that big of a concern because she's supposed to be going across the country and so maybe he's just, you know, hoping to get first crack at Spider-Man and doesn't want anybody else to know. I just thought he kept it to himself because Spider-Man saved him in the end. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard to say. You know, it's one of those ominous things where, you know, there's like an ominous undertone where you're like, what's the motivation for not telling these other prisoners, like, you know, who Spider-Man is? Like, is he doing it out of loyalty because Spider-Man fucking saved him? Or is he doing it, you know, because... He doesn't want anybody else to, you know, get a chance at Spider-Man before him. Um, and then what's interesting is, like, one of the other um, bad guys that uh, ends up kind of, you know, getting involved in this mix and ends up going to prison. And who's the character, um, the bad guy that's actually asking the Vulture for this information because he wants to kill Spider-Man. Um, he's the Hispanic guy that's in um, Better Call Saul. And he's also um, in Breaking Bad. Uh, and that dude's name is, um, let's see here. I just pulled it up. It's uh, Michael Mondo, who plays Nacho Varga. So Amanda was right. She knew the, she yeah, knew his first, she knew the character's name, but um, yeah, so that that character was familiar like right away. Oh shit, he's not back from that fucking television show. So, I mean, maybe he'll end up having some sort of like important role later, or maybe he'll end up, you know, developing into some bad guy at some point. Because um, I didn't look deep enough into the IMDb to see like if he was, um, you know, given like a credit for like a specific name that ends up, you know, being something that you know matters at some point down the line. Right. Um, but uh, really, I mean, from the beginning to the end, the movie was fantastic. Um, you know the the kid that uh, you know plays his best friend in the movie was pretty funny, and uh, I mean, really, just like the entire movie was fun, and like there was a good amount of action in it, but it was also really funny. Um, so, uh, as far as like like parts in the movie that maybe stood out for you, as far as like like a favorite moment of Spider-Man, like do you, is there one that like sticks out in your mind right away when you're when you're thinking about the movie? I just like how Spider-Man and, and uh, Iron Man kind of interacted with each other. Like, he was trying to be his dad. I don't yeah. know. I like that. Like, the, the mentor aspect of it? The kind of yeah. father-son kind of thing? Um, I would say one of my, uh, one of my, well, some of my favorite parts were um, just, like, just some of the knucklehead shit that he did, you know, like just throughout the movie where like, he's kind of like a Deadpool white. Yeah. It, you know, he's doing his best and trying his hardest to like find his place and do right. Like all he wants to do is just make a difference. And it's, you know, seemingly toward the beginning, no matter how much he tried, he kept like making these big mistakes and he kept making it worse. It was like, you know, like Urkel, like trying to do something and ends up like breaking everything in the process, you know, almost like when um, in, in in a scene where this boat gets cut in half, 
And so, like, you're thinking, oh, shit, Spider-Man's having his moment, right? And he's flying through there. He's, like, you know, keeping the boat together with his webs. And then his suit's all, you were 98%, uh, says you were 98% effective. And he's all, what do you mean, 98%? And he missed one of the fucking columns. And so because he missed that column, it didn't hold together and it broke. Right? Yeah. So it's like he was always just short of, you know, doing something, like, really good or, like, you know, finishing it up. And, you know, part of part of that was that, um, you know, his suit had a shit ton of capabilities, you know, only to find out that, like, you know, his suit had basically been put on training wheels by Tony Stark. And so he ends up, like, removing the GPS so that he can kind of sneak around and do his own thing without being babysat. And, you know, the other thing is, too, is he unlocks the abilities of the suit, but he's not ready for all of the shit that the suit could do. No. You know, like, he was just used to just, like, the few little things that it could do, and then, like, when he unlocks it, he's like, holy shit, there's so much stuff to do. Like, he's, like, trying to engage in a fight when he hasn't learned all of the suit's abilities, and so he's, like, fucking up and, like, messing up and just... Uh, you know, like in the middle of his fights, like he's like, "What the fuck is the suit doing?" <laughs> uh, it, it was just really funny. And so there are two end scene credits. There's one that's like, I want to say it's like 20 seconds after, like you know, the first few credits of the movie, and then after um, those credits, which have to do with uh, you know the Tombs character talking to some of the inmates while he's in prison, um, you know, then you go through all the other credits. And then you get a really funny, like, uh, little Captain America um, end credit. Um, it's it's pretty funny. I definitely stick around and watch it. It basically has to do with some of the other, like, small Captain America video cameos that he makes throughout the movie that are pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, definitely, like, hang, hang around and watch that. Um, so um, the other two items that we want to bring up, um, you know, related to the movie... Uh, have to do with um, two of the characters. Um, one of them, well, actually three of the characters. I mean, for those that don't know, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow had been absent from some of the other stuff. Um, she does make like a real quick, you know, cameo toward the end of the movie. Um, and it looks like, you know, it looked like, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Pepper Potts, might be marrying Tony Stark. There was also something, like, you know, from the other Iron Mans where, like, you know, she was supposed to maybe, like, fill a more important, like, you know, superhero role, um, you know, possibly, but that hasn't seemed to come into fruition. So, um, not sure what's going on there. But uh, moving on to the other two characters that I was referring to, one is a lady by the name of Zendaya. Zendaya, Zendaya, fucking tomato, tomato. First off, Who's this girl thinks she is with a fucking one name name like Madonna or Cher? Like what the fuck? She started her career like that. She's a Disney kid and she also had a singing career. Lame. I think it's lame. Anyways, she plays a character that is also part of her academic decathlon team and is seemingly like always this kid that's like in the background and always kind of paying attention to everything but doesn't really care about anything and doesn't really have any friends but is obviously really smart and you get this you get this feeling that maybe she has some sort of interest in peter parker but it's very faint um but uh you know toward the end of the movie um she tells peter parker that um 
people call her MJ. And the thing that was confusing is that she says her first name is Michelle. So, I mean, obviously for people that are familiar with Spider-Man, MJ is Mary Jane. Is Mary Jane and not Michelle. So the question is, is are they making her uh you know the the movie version of Mary Jane, but they're just changing the first name but keeping the acronym MJ to keep with the Spider Man, you know, spirit of the character. Uh, you know, because, you know, Mary Jane obviously in the in the comics is, is white and the character that uh that is Michelle is not. Uh so like, you know, I don't know if you know, they're just I mean, I'm not sure what the intent is, whether or not she's actually gonna be Mary Jane, which I assume she is because her, you know, initials are MJ. Um, but you know, the first thing she is has different. a really big crush on Spider Man. Right. So they did change it it's it seems that they changed the first name from Mary Jane to Michelle something because in the IMDb credits it only has a first name of Michelle. Um, the other character um, was played by Donald Glover, who um, in the uh, movie uh, plays a character named Aaron Davis. Now Amanda kind of looked into some of the background origins of the um, Aaron Davis character. Uh, initially, it was our understanding, or at least it was my understanding, that there was a good chance that he was going to be cast to be Miles Morales. Um, I mean, what, what Amanda had told me uh, just before this was that he is he voices a character in Spider-Man cartoons of Miles Morales, but I was under the impression that he was actually being cast for the actual Miles Morales character in the Spider-Man movies, which is obviously not right because his credits on IMDb is for Aaron Davis. And so did you want to kind of give a little background on the Aaron Davis character? He's a burglar who eventually becomes the prowler and he breaks into the lab where the radioactive spider comes from and then he picks up another one and he's the the spider's the one that bites Miles Morales. Miles Morales is Aaron Davis's nephew. So so and going back to Nacho, mm -hmm. his character eventually becomes the scorpion. Okay. See, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, because to me, like, to me, he's established enough of a character to, you know, get, uh, you know, a decent role. And so initially when I saw him on the boat, like, I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to end up being somebody, right? And so then, like, later on, like, once the, once all that shit goes sideways, you don't see him again until, like, you know, he's in the prison scene and credits when he's talking to Tombs. You know, and he's, you know, he's got some, you know, he's got some damage to his eye, you know, and obviously he, he's obviously now he's got a grudge against Spider-Man as well. And so I'm thinking like, there's, there's, he's got to have like a more, there, he's got to have some sort of role that's coming on later on than just like, he's an angry criminal. Yeah. So it makes sense that you're saying that he's going to end up playing Scorpion. So, I mean, there's a good lineup of, uh, you know, bad guys that are going to be in this, um, you know, this, this universe for Spider-Man because Michael Keaton played really good Vulture. And then, um, you know, the, uh, what is it? Um, gosh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bakeem, uh, Woodbine, uh, playing the Shocker. Uh, he was actually pretty good. And then, you know, obviously, um, 
uh, I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now. I'm wanting to call him Nacho because you refer to him as Nacho, but Michael Mondo, okay. you know, he's a, he, you know, he's a pretty good actor. I mean, he did, uh, he did really well playing a bad guy in uh, Better Call Saul and yeah. obviously the more important show, Breaking Bad. So um, good lineup of uh, bad guys, I would say. Um, you know, and, you know, as far as like an overall, um, IMDb is giving. Oh, it says the fat friend turns into the hobgoblin. What? Ned Leeds. In the film, Ned is Peter's best friend and the man in the chair. In the comics, however, Leeds actually becomes the hobgoblin. It doesn't seem likely that the film's version of the character will have down that path. Yeah, I, I don't really see that happening. Um, like, at all. Like, if anything... That would be sad. No, what, if anything? Like, because he doesn't seem like a hobgoblin character to me. And obviously, at this point, it's saying that, like, the movie's not following that path. What I see, based on what his character looks like, is that if he was going to become a bad guy at any point, you know, if it does... If he does end up becoming a bad guy, but not necessarily Hobgoblin, that he could potentially end up being Dr. Octopus. Yeah, creepy. Because he looks like, he kind of has that look. Doc, Doc Ock is like bigger, you know, has kind of a, you know, bigger face, you know, he has a, you know, bigger build, but at the same, you know, and the thing is, Doc Ock was extremely intelligent, you know, making that whole spine with the arms and stuff like that and he's part of the he's part of the academic tech one too so i mean arguably he's just as smart as peter parker is you know he did a lot of that hacking stuff using the computers and you know you know hacking the suit and doing all this other shit so you know he has the talent i think uh you know to possibly pull that off based on like you know the establishment of his character it would just be it would just be uh you know I don't know. It, it would be interesting to see like how that would play out. But like I said, I'm just saying like based on his looks and what his character looks like, and what Doc Ock looks like, is to say that like that's more of a possibility than anything. Although like as far as like if they turn him bad at all, right? Which yeah. I doubt. Which yeah, he seems like too nice of a character. Um, but the IMDb um, made a score through Metacritic. It's a 73. Um, so far, as far as like critiques, you know, it's got about 237 of them. Um, now the score, um, it gets an 8.3 out of 10, which uh, you know is pretty good. Um, you know, I would definitely recommend seeing the movie. I mean, most of these Marvel movies are you know batting 100. You know, uh, there's not really a a bad Marvel movie to date that's you know actually under the creative control of Marvel. You know, obviously that goes without saying that <clears throat> that doesn't pertain to Fox. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you know, with, uh, I think, uh, was it, uh, Spider-Man's a Sony property, correct? Yes. So, I mean, Sony is smart and, you know, basically partnered with Marvel and let them, let them do their thing. So, um, you know, that being said, it's a fantastic movie. Definitely go see it. Definitely stay through the you know the credits because there are two different little end scene credits that are uh, worth waiting for, um, and uh, that's pretty much it. So totally recommend the movie. It was fantastic. Um, unfortunately, 
you know, our, our daughter's uh, batting 100 on falling asleep and, uh, you know, Thursday night showings of films. Um, but uh, our son really enjoyed it. He thought it was fantastic. I actually, I mean, he usually laughs. I mean, he, he enjoys movies as much as everybody else, but, like, he laughed a ton in that movie. He really enjoyed it. That was a funny movie. Yeah, so definitely a, a must to go see it. Tom Holland's a really good Spider-Man. I mean... I mean, uh, you know, he's no Tobey Maguire, but uh, he'll do. I think he does a pretty good job. <laughs> I know, I'm just joking. I'll probably, you know, like, nobody ever, like, sends emails or anything like that, like, to the, the actual, uh, um, that conversationalist at gmail.com email. Nobody ever really sends anything. But, like, if I was to say that, like, somebody, like, sends some angry email, like, who, why the fuck would you think that uh, fucking Tobey Maguire's... Um, you know, better than Tom Holland or some shit. Exactly. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just joking. I mean, I think the no, original ones are you like good. Toby. Shut up, man. Toby. I thought he played a good character. People were just hating on him, man. Well, that one where he went all weird was... I didn't like that one. That was, he uh, did fine. That was part three, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was the last one that sucked. Yeah, well, that one was, like, too busy. You're... You have him as the character, you have him introducing Venom, you have fucking the Sandman, and then, like, another bad guy also. So there's just, like, so much shit going on on top of the fact that he's, like, all, like, super emo and shit. Like, it just wasn't uh, something that was, I don't know, I don't think destined to be, like, very good. So they with that are being, doing a new movie with Venom. It? Oh, yeah, I know. They're doing the Venom movie, but they were like, okay, are they going to take Carnage in? And, like, what other characters are going to be brought in? So there's still a bunch of questions as to whether or not that is. I know they said they weren't actually going to bring in Carnage. But I didn't really get much else from that, or I just don't remember. But uh, that basically wraps up the review in our episode 55. So I'm Jesse with Amanda <laughs> saying thanks for listening. And we'll catch you later. <laughs> did I say Andrew Garfield, Ross? <laughs> I'm thinking of Andrew. Oh, my God. How did that happen? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>